everyone, and welcome to another episode of You Press Play News. My name is Natalia. I'm the news editor. My name is Richard. I'm the sports editor. I'm Michael. I'm the social media manager. And here's your news for this week. FU's athletics department improved its revenue despite facing the early impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020. According to financial reports obtained by the University Press, the department earned $40,113,869 in revenue during the 2020 fiscal year, indicating a 10.5% increase from 2019's fiscal year. Revenue was $36,297,004. Student fees made up a plurality of over 35% at $14,221,983, showing a 9.4% increase from $12,999,163 which made up 35.8% of total revenue the year prior. Football made a noticeable improvement in revenue for the department. $7,710,886 was made from it, which was a 234% increase from $3,298,610 in 2019's report. The department's 2021 fiscal year report, which includes revenue for the 2020 football season, will be available towards the end of January 2022, according to FAU's Public Records Department. The FAU women's golf team have found their next head coach as they hired Heather Bowie Young on July 14, who has received her first head coaching job. She replaces Amy Neff, who coached the team for the last three seasons. Bowie Young takes over a team that generated plenty of success in the 2021 season. The team had their best finish in program history at the CSA Championship at sixth place, and junior Justine Fornet was named CSA Women's Golfer of the Year, the third FEU athlete to win the award. Bowie Young comes to FEU after serving the last five seasons as a top assistant coach at Clemson as she helped them advance to the NCAA regionals in four postseasons and ranked themselves nationally in the top 25 twice. The country is turning child tax credit into a monthly payment for millions of families. According to CNN, the one-year experiment, as of now, money will be given to parents to help take care of their children. Payments of up to $300 per month per child under six years of age and $250 per month per child for ages 6 to 17. Half of their money will be available via monthly payments and the rest will be paid when parents file their tax returns and they are fully refundable. Officials are now calling for the child tax credit to be made permanent, but it will depend on politicians on both sides of the political party agreeing to sign off on it. Some local Chinese governments are planning to bar residents that have not been vaccinated from many public places, including schools, libraries, prisons, nursing homes, and hospitals. A dozen counties and cities in three eastern Chinese provinces have set a late August deadline for those 18 years and older to get vaccinated against COVID-19. Some of the localities attributed their new policies to national, provincial, and municipal arrangements but did not say whether they received orders from the central Chinese government to institute the policies. 40% of China's 1.4 billion people have been vaccinated, with the government hoping to reach herd immunity by the end of the year. The mandate has attracted controversy, with some citizens seeing it as a government overreach. China's National Health Commission hasn't declared a nationwide vaccination mandate, nor has it signaled to the public that it will. Fully vaccinated Americans may visit Canada as of mid-August, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said on Thursday. Trudeau said that if Canada's positive rate of vaccination continues, that the border will open to non-essential travel. Trudeau also said that fully vaccinated travelers from all countries should be allowed by early September into Canada. Over 80% of Canadians have received at least one shot of coronavirus vaccine, with 50% of Canadians being fully vaccinated. The border between the United States and Canada has been closed since the coronavirus pandemic erupted last year. Indonesia has become the latest country to become an epicenter for Asia. 
The nation, home to about 270 million people, is reporting more daily cases of coronavirus than India. If the rate of the spread of coronavirus continues in Indonesia, it will push Indonesia's healthcare system to a brink. According to CNN, some fear that the situation may be worse than the data of people with COVID-19 because not enough people are getting tested. According to CNN's vaccination tracker, 57,011,439 total doses have been administered, which is 21 shots per 100 people. On Thursday, Indonesia officially passed Brazil with the most COVID cases. On Friday, infections passed 40,000 for five days straight. Hundreds of Frito-Lay workers are on strike in Topeka, Kansas, citing forced overtime and an 84-hour work week as reasons for their strike. Frito-Lay, one of the nation's largest snack makers, has seen increased demand for its products as the pandemic has surged. The factory in Topeka has more than 800 workers, many of them working 12-hour shifts seven days a week, with only eight hours in between clocking in and out of shifts. In an email to the Washington Post, Frito-Lay said it's committed to providing a safe and fair workplace. Frito-Lay is owned by PepsiCo and is known for making Doritos, Fritos, and Cheetos, among other snacks. PepsiCo took on more than $70 billion in revenue in 2020 and said it plans to raise prices of its products this year to combat pandemic-related challenges. Workers at the factory say the company has not shared in the wealth, with one worker, Monk Japo Stewart, a box drop technician at the Topeka facility, stating that his wages have only increased by 77 cents in the past 12 years. Anthony Shelton, the international president of Bakery, Confectionery, Tobacco Workers, and Grain Millers Local 218, the union that represents the workers, said, the union has repeatedly asked the company to hire more workers, and yet despite record profits, Frito-Lay management has refused this request. In a letter to a local newspaper, Cherie Renfro, a worker at the factory, said that workers do not receive hazard pay, bonuses, pandemic protections, and that the workers' considerations have been pushed aside by their supervisors. According to Occupational Safety and Health Administration, the Topeka factory has been fined in the past for vehicle accidents and amputations in recent years, and is currently being investigated for an accident involving a forklift from May 2021. The strike is occurring during a tumultuous period for employers in 2021, with many workers pushing for better paying conditions at their workplaces. Protests in Cuba sparked on July 11 over widespread food and medicine shortages, further worsened by the COVID-19 pandemic, Common Dreams reported. While the Huffington Post said there were pro-government protests that supported the late President Fidel Castro and the Cuban Revolution, the Washington Post stated that protests criticizing the Cuban government were met by Cuban police with tear gas and other displays of force. Reported by Newsweek on July 13, Chairman of the Senate Budget Committee Bernie Sanders stated on the 12th via Twitter for the Cuban government to, quote, respect opposition rights and refrain from violence. He believes it's also, quote, long past time to end the unilateral U.S. embargo on Cuba, which has only hurt, not helped, the Cuban people. The embargo, which the U.S. has imposed on Cuba, though has been deemed illegal by the United Nations General Assembly since 1992, made the economic situation in the island dire, as it prevents the country from freely trading with other companies. Should U.S.-based companies and companies that do business with the U.S. attempt to trade with Cuba, they risk the U.S. placing sanctions on them. Those who have come out against ending the embargo include U.S. Senator Marco Rubio, who stated on his website that it's, quote, not the embargo that's jailing people, that's the regime, and that's socialism is, quote, all about control for Cuba's government in regards to tourism, 
food, money, and medicine. Miami Mayor Francis Suarez, who not only said that the embargo isn't cruel towards Cubans, but that the U.S. should consider military action against Cuba, believing that it's an option that, quote, has to be explored and one that cannot be just simply discarded, according to the Miami Herald. President Joe Biden described Cuba as a, quote, failed state that is repressing their citizens as he voiced his support for the protests, U.S. News & World Report detailed on July 15. Biden has not indicated if he'll end the embargo, which has to pass Congress first under the 1996 Helms-Burton Act and let the 240 sanctions the Trump administration placed on Cuba. If not, Biden is distancing himself from the actions then-President Barack Obama took to improve U.S. relations with Cuba in 2016, such as restoring diplomatic ties and expanding trade and travel. And a majority of American people, who according to the New York Times back in 2016, supports ending the embargo. After celebrating the 100th year of the Chinese Communist Party two weeks ago, the party has set a new priority for themselves, tightening the ideological control of 1.4 billion Chinese people in the country. According to CNN, President Xi Jinping's party had already talked up their ideology with repeated warnings against the infiltration of Western ideas, stroked aggressive nationalism, and stifled academic and press freedoms. Despite doing all that, the party still feels that they are not doing enough and has focused on the promotion of Xi Jinping's thought on socialism with Chinese characters for the new era. The campaign is to further push Xi's doctrine into textbooks, classrooms, and the brains of students. The party is also tightening control in other places in society, from government to rural villages to the internet. According to CNN, some villages have broadcast party propaganda from loudspeakers installed on the roof of people's homes. If you want to keep up with more news from China, you can subscribe to the CNN newsletter Meanwhile in China on CNN's website. And that's all for news this week on U Press Play News.